it over each other. Men cannot say, I am greater than you because I came before you. But they can say, you are greater than me because I came from you. And the woman cannot say, I am greater than you because I gave birth to you. But they can say, you are greater than me because you came before me. Isn't that wonderful the way God just puts the circular logic into place? I think if you read Paul, he puts it a lot better than I just did. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are good to us. Thank you for, as we have heard and as we have remembered, the gift of mothers. Lord, for those of us who have had good mothers, we we praise you for that. We thank you for the way that they've shown us something of your love and compassion and soft-heartedness and approachability. Lord, for those whose mothers have fallen short of, of that ideal, who, who haven't shown their children that nature of yourself, Lord, I pray that they would find in you, our Father, all the comfort and all the security that they need. Lord, thank you for the gift of mothers, but thank you even more for the gift of of you being our Father and our God and our Lord. Please help us to understand and to take to heart what we uh, explore together this morning. By your Spirit speak uh, to me, through me, to us. Amen. We're starting a new series this week. If you got your bulletin, um, if there were some at the back, they were also emailed out to everyone. Uh, this week, if you've got your bulletin, you'll read the message about the message at the back there. Has someone got a bulletin that I can borrow? Let me, let me read it out. Whoever wrote this put it really well, I think. <laughs> I love the Psalms, especially how they seem to distill the common human experience of life, of being in a relationship with God. Some Psalms speak of mountaintop experiences. At times when our walk with God has never been better. When everything in life seems to be going wonderfully, swimmingly. When, our, when God's love for us is as clear as crystal. Um, the theologian Brueggemann, uh, around whose theory of Psalms we are, we are again looking at Psalms, calls these songs of orientation. They set the baseline of what life with God should look like. Then you also get psalms of disorientation, when the world is a mess. Um, when, when the ideal world of the nice psalms of orientation seems to be thrown into just this disarray by the harsh realities of life. But these uh, songs of disorientation are still songs addressed to God. They are the songs of a people who refuse to give up on God despite what they are going through. In fact, there is only one psalm, I think it's 86 or 89, there's only one psalm that doesn't finish with, I will praise you, or words to that effect. Uh, The psalms can sometimes be brutal, and I love that as well, because it says you can be honest with God. Finally, uh, in the third week, we're going to look at psalms of reorientation. These are the songs that are sung 
of those who, who have set their life on God, who have gone through valley experiences and come out the other end. Um, if you think maybe the first Psalms we can say without belittling them, but they are a, a simple faith. Nothing has, has challenged that faith. Then, then the faith is challenged and the songs of reorientation are, are, are those of people who have been through the fire and come out the other end. These are people who know from experience, not just theory, that God is trustworthy and our highest good. And today we're looking at a song of orientation. And so this is going to be a song addressed from the point of everything in life is wonderful. Why don't we read that together? Why don't I not sing it to you? Because um, I'd like you to actually stay. If I, if I sing the song, you might run away. Psalm 16, if you've got your Bibles, uh, otherwise it's on the wall as well. This is a miktam of David. Um, no idea what that word means. You read different people, it's a cover. It Actually, most people go, well, it looks a little bit like the word which means that. Which I don't think is a very good way to translate. Um, probably a musical term. Written by King David. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice or, or, and I praise him. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Amen. Amen. When God made us, He made us as dignified people. And he gave us the dignity of purpose. We were made, to, well done, John, you've, you've given in to the blanket. I've just embarrassed you again, haven't I? <laughs> All attention on Mark. He can take it. <laughs> and John can take it. Oh, shut up, Nick. Move on with the sermon. Dignity of purpose. We were made with a purpose. We were made to rule over this creation, this world, under God. We were made to enjoy God. We were made to enjoy this life that He has given us. And it was good for I don't know how long, until humanity sinned. And work, which was joyful, became a toil. By the way, one day when God recreates the heavens and the earth and, and comes and dwells with us, there's going to be work. If you think that you're going to retire when you die, I'm sorry, you're going to work. 
Graham's got a lovely illustration of a lady who, who sits down in her rocking chair and after a thousand years she thinks she might start rocking. That's a wonderful idea, isn't it? Some of us go, oh yeah, I like that. Boy, she needs to work. Do you know what the difference is? Is that we live in a world now which has fallen where work is toil and unpleasant and harsh. Relationships became tough. Even husbands and wives, part of the fall. Um, God said, look, it's going to be messy for you guys. It's going to be difficult. Relationship with God was damaged. And right now we experience our life, as I said earlier, as a, as a series of peaks and troughs. The peaks are the times when we glimpse how life should be. Everything is good. Our relationship with God is, is wow. God is just so real and so genuine and, and it's, it's, it's wow. Our circumstances are amazing. Everything is just, we're on cloud nine. Which I found out, interestingly, is actually the lowest layer of, of clouds. I don't know why we think of it as the highest, but it's the lowest. Anyway, we're on cloud nine. We're happy. These are the peaks of life. And then you have the troughs. And, and I'm convinced that nobody here has ever been through a trough. No, definitely not. Eric says no. And these are the times when everything seems... Big pardon? I thought so too. The troughs are where life is particularly hard. Our relationship with God, we, we perhaps even question whether God loves us or, or is even there. We find ourselves in trying circumstances. People lose their jobs, lose their loved ones. Robin prayed for the mothers who had lost their kids. Today's psalm is, for those, is written from a perspective of the peak. This is David on cloud nine singing to God. This is David experiencing something of life as God means it to be. And concluding without a single doubt that God is all that we need now and for all eternity. Some people this morning will find themselves on that mountaintop, on that peak with David. Others will not. But for both, this is God's word for today. Because whether we are in a peak or in a trough, on a peak or in a trough, this psalm is written to remind us that God is trustworthy, no matter what. David starts in verse 1 by, by recognizing that, that he won't always be on cloud nine. This is a, a, a psalm of simple trust, but it's not a psalm of naive faith. He says right at the beginning, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. Says David, I am experiencing in the rest of the psalm something of your goodness, God, but, but would you keep me safe? You see what David does? He finds himself here in this place where God is brilliant and he says, I will set my roots deeply into God so that I will survive whatever troughs 
may come in the future. See, his attitude to God when he's on the mountaintop, when everything is good, there his attitude is, God, I am a refugee. Isn't that a weird place to put it? We think of refugees as people whose life is really, really tough, who are going through difficult circumstances, trying circumstances. If you read uh, the letters that Fran sends about the refugee uh, asylum seeker work that is being done in the detention centers, some of these people have incredibly tough lives. And we go, yeah, I understand calling them a refugee. But here is David and the psalm, how wonderful the boundaries you have set for me. My inheritance is so fantastic. God, I am a refugee. Because only in you is my refuge. Only in you is there hope for the future because I know my life is like this. And he finds for himself that being a refugee is the best place to be. In fact, the only mountain peak, the true mountain height, when Jesus returns and makes everything new, we will all be refugees Settled, given a visa in the kingdom for all eternity. What's even better, it won't be a temporary protection visa. (laughs) It'll be permanent. Isn't that fantastic? You know, when life is good, it can be so tempting to assume that it's because of our own efforts. And when life is good, we, we can just get into the habit of presuming that we deserve to have life good. David knows that that's not the case. He looks around him and he sees two groups of people. He sees his superheroes. Um, Taryn and I went to watch the, the new Avengers movie. Mark commented on Facebook, great movie. David, if he was writing a movie, it would be the Holy Ones. And the heroes would be you guys sitting in church. David says, you know what, the people who love God, those are the guys that that they really make me go, wow, these guys, I want to be like them. They love God's. Do you, do you know people like that? Aren't they just some Christians that you look at and you go, half in jealousy sometimes, half in, wow, I, I'm just, look at those guys. They just, they really love God and they're just on fire for him. David looks at them and goes, wow, these guys are my heroes. I want to be like them. That's what a hero is, someone we want to be like. David sees another group of people. He sees those who chase after other gods. And it's interesting here, is he talking about um, pagans, non-Jewish people, or is he talking about people who claim to be God's people and yet chase after other gods? See, both groups of people are, if you want, religious. They both live to honor and please their God. But David looks and he sees that those who chase after false gods, other gods, see in the end that their sorrow only increases. They run after these these idols for glory and happiness and solutions to life's problems, but they only get bruised more and more and more. We have idols. We have other gods that we can run after. 
gods of success, gods of materialism, gods of family. We're here celebrating family and mothers, but you know that can be that can be a god. And the thing is, if we try and find our solace and our refuge in anything other than God, all we get is maybe a temporary protection visa and then it, it just gets worse. I don't want to make this a political statement, but, but imagine if you were a refugee and you came and you started living in a beautiful place and then after a year you were told to go away. If you go to any place for refuge other than God, that is what happens, says David. See, David's heroes like David know that the only refuge in a broken world is the God who made the world, who loves us, and who wants to set everything right again. And it's on cloud nine that David looks around and says, my experience of God tells me that that he's the only safe place to be. And he says, I'm not going to take part in any worship of anything other than God. I'm not going to pour out the sacrificial blood to other gods. In other words, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ally myself to them. I'm not going to submit to them. I'm not going to say, I, I will give you my allegiance. I won't even take up their names, he says. I won't pray to them. I won't hedge my bets and you know, serve a little bit of God and, and just on the, on the safe side, well, I need security, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, this job and really throw my life into this. And, and yet, I love you, God, but I'm busy now and I'm doing this as well. And, and sort of, I, I can play, I can play the, the odds here. Says he, I'm not going to even take up their names. I will worship God alone. I will not worship success. I will not worship that. I will not worship that. I will not, you know, whatever it is that tempts you, David says, I will not worship that. An idol is any good thing which becomes an ultimate thing in our life. David says, the ultimate good for me is God and I will not even think about praying to or worshiping anyone else or anything else. David realizes it is God alone who blesses him. If you have access to a refreshing clear mountain spring why would you drink the muddy water two miles downstream David experienced and knew God to be his inheritance and his cup the cup of blessing you know when God first brought his people into the promised land of Canaan he divided it up among the 12 tribes and, and he divided it further into, into family allotments. And, and as David considers his circumstances, he looks and he sees, wow, you know what, I have this incredible allotment from God. I, I've been blessed with incredible circumstances. I, I, I've, I've, I've just got such a good life and he loves it. But far more precious to David is his relationship with God. You alone are my inheritance and my cup of blessing. What makes this cloud nine for David isn't so much David's having an easy life, but the state of his relationship with God. Because it's there that he finds his joy, his peace, his security, his stability. 
Calvin said it, it this way. He said, he who has God as his portion is destitute of nothing which is requisite to constitute a happy life. To put it another way, if you've got God, you've got everything you need to be happy. Now David's sitting here in a nice circumstance. But he takes a step back and he says, the reason I should be happy is not because I've got a Mercedes-Benz and a kingdom, but because I've got God. He didn't have a Mercedes-Benz. He had lots of slaves, though. You see, what causes David to burst into praise, which he does here, I will bless the Lord who guides me, isn't that he is materially blessed, but the fact that God is his guide, his teacher, his instructor. With God by his side, David feels ready to confront any possible circumstance of life. And the more we get to know God perfectly, the more he guides us and instructs us and teaches us, the more we can say with David, I will not be shaken. The Apostle John says in a letter that we read just a few weeks back in church, that perfect love drives out fear and and that God is love. In other words, the more we get to know God, the more God guides us, the more we know that we need fear nothing. David knows what John knows because they know the same God. What comes before David's I will not be shaken is guidance and instruction. God guiding, uh, counseling David. Not coercing him, not saying, come on David, you're meant to do that, you're meant to do that. But just saying, David, this is the way. This is who I am. This is, this is how I intend for you to be. David, this is, this is what I want for your life. And David chooses to walk in the ways that God directs. Even at night as he lies in bed, yeah, we're not, we're not encouraged to lie worrying at night. In fact, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough worries of its own. But David here says, you know what, even at night, I, my heart instructs me. He's sitting there going, wow, you know what, God showed me this today. And, and how does that talk to my life? And how can I apply that? And, and, and it, it's like God's guiding him even when he's lying in bed trying to sleep. It doesn't happen to me that often. Let me be honest. Quite often I just go to sleep. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we said, we look at David and we're like him going, wow, these are my true heroes, people who, who, who allow God to guide them and then they just reflect on it so much and they want to live that through and they, they're preparing for the next day because, you know what, God showed me this way and I want to walk in it. People who grow in wisdom and the knowledge of God. And as I said right at the beginning, those who are deeply rooted in God, who, who have been guided by God, are those who are best equipped when life gets messy. Jeremiah seventeen seven to 8 uh, is a fantastic passage. I got given it on a birthday card four years back. Listen to what it said. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank 
with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And isn't that what David is, is showing us here? Life is good and he's taking this chance. And he's like, I want to just, I want God to guide me and instruct me and I'm just so desperate for this that, 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 that I will just grow to know God more. And, and you know what? David will go through some horrible things. Next week's psalm is going to be difficult. There's going to be some good in it as well because it's still song, sung by someone who knows God. But, but David says, I want to know God so much that I can face whatever comes. Keep me safe, O oh God. Guide me. Direct me. Says David, in effect, you are my hope and my confidence. Because he knew that with access to water, the more mature a tree is when a drought comes, the better it survives. If it's got access to water, a little sapling, the heat comes, it's going to struggle more than a tree that's been in the ground for a few years. The times when we need to grow are the times when we are on the mountains with God. Which is, ironically, the times when we are most tempted to just coast. With God at his side, at his right side, the place of, of uh, help for David, everything at this time smells like roses. No wonder I rejoice. No wonder my heart is glad, says David. Because if God is for me, then who can be against me? Do I need to fear even death? No! God is by my right hand side. I wonder if David even knew fully what he was writing here. What, what he wrote was true of himself. He, he trusted God even in the face of death. He, he trusted that God would, would be there for him. And yet he did die, and yet he was buried, and yet his body did decay. Was he wrong to trust God? You see, David was writing perhaps a little bit about himself, but both Peter and Paul look back to the psalm, Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 13, I think. And they look back and they go, you know what? David wasn't writing about himself because he, he died. He was buried. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. You will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence with the pleasures of living with you forever. David places his trust in God and that trust is ultimately fulfilled in the Son, in his heir, who was already his master. David says, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, verse 31, 
was a prophet who was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave Jesus among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. You know, the life of an Old Testament believer could be good. David loved knowing God and he loved being known by God. He, he thought God, his ultimate inheritance, his heroes were the people who loved God. He, he was one who longed for God's kingdom to come through and through, for the, for the mountaintop to be all that there is. But the life of a child of God is even better this side of Easter because of Jesus whom death could not hold. Because of him we know that our Lord, our master is stronger than even death. And our guide, even God himself, Jesus, knows the way through death to life. You will show me the way of life. You will grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. In fact, Jesus has made that way through his death and resurrection and now he guides us just as he was guiding David centuries before. How is David saved? By trusting God. By putting his faith in God. Who came in Jesus to save. You know, whether we find ourselves on cloud cloud nine or in the troughs, let us put our trust and hope in God, our ever-present refuge. For he is our true inheritance. He is our only hope. May we be people who trust him. May we be people who allow him to guide us. May we, when, when on those mountaintops, rejoice in him. And when in the valleys, rejoice in him knowing that though death may come, that even the most glorious cloud nines of this world and this life will pale into insignificance in the light of the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. May you know many mountaintops. May you know many Psalm 16 moments in your life. May you trust him. May your roots grow deeply into him. So that when the valleys come, and unless he comes first, the valleys will come. That when they do, you can rest in him. And look forward to the day when all we know is cloud 999. Amen.
at the supper club. Let's stand and sing this.